an armed security guard positioned himself by a door, dividing the emergency room from a cordoned off corridor. My final moment to reconsider. My vision was blurred from tears, and my throat sore from screams. Tufit had driven me there. A family friend for many years, he had arrived the moment he knew. Photojournalists and television crews waited at the hospital's entrance. He did his best to speak on my behalf and keep them at bay. This was nothing new for a city used to such events. People knocking on my door, my car window, approaching me anywhere I went, offering condolences when I walked on Beirut's Corniche or when I trekked remote villages of Mount Lebanon. Any attempt at being alone was drowned in a flood of sympathy. I had inherited celebrity status, not of fame to claim, but of sorrow and pity. Political assassinations afford such luxury in Lebanon. They hugged me and expressed their love for my dad, wanting to share their opinions of Al-Wada. My loss was tied to the region's politics and war, and I navigated those subjects as best as I could. In the weeks after his murder, an internal silence, a necessary detachment, kept my true emotions from showing. If anything, all the attention helped create a facade, a false reality. The cameras, the microphones. That morning, I was shielded enough from public view. And it was my decision, mine alone. The guard made brief eye contact with me before lowering his gaze and quietly uttering the phrase I would hear a thousand times over. The door opened to a dimly lit hallway under repair. Neon lights dangled below electrical wires exposing the ceiling's inner workings, the American University Hospital, an institution under renovation, built in the 1950s as an extension to the American University of Beirut, staying open throughout Lebanon's civil war, repeated Israeli invasions, Syrian occupation, the casualties of car bombings, and blasts. nurse ushered me through, her surgical mask hindering unnecessary words. She braced my arm. Other staff stood against lime-green-colored walls as we passed, whispering affirmations that I was his son. The glossy floor squeaked with each step, my hastily donned shoes treading over neon reflections on the adhesive tiles. We reached another security guard who asked us to wait. The Special Tribunal for Lebanon, which my father helped establish following the assassination of his former boss, 
Prime Minister Rafiq Hariri. The tribunal's purpose, to uncover the criminals responsible and prevent further assassinations from taking place. The tribunal had accused members of Hezbollah. Hezbollah had retaliated. A doctor emerged. He told the security guard the investigators had left. The deep bags under his eyes spoke to an exhausting double shift. His scruff needed shaving. He slowly placed a hand on my shoulder and took a deep breath. But before he spoke, I knew. car bombing in downtown Beirut that tore apart the facades of nearby buildings, leaving a two-meter crater in the pavement. The echo of that explosion reaching my apartment across the city, killing and injuring multiple passers-by. I had seen the news and dropped my phone to my father's name. I know you want to do this. The doctor began with a calm, measured voice. And it is your right to see him. His pager went off. I looked past him, towards the end of the corridor. A final door. But I don't think... The pager interrupted again. He switched it off. I don't think you should. I've seen what this does. You will only hurt more. His advice made no difference. I could only look beyond that final door. And the only words I spoke that morning rang true once more. Darudi Shufu. was brightly lit. Surgeons in white operating gowns stood behind the operating table. They looked above me, trying, with simple gesture, to offer me a few seconds of being unobserved. My father lay between us, his face torn away. Scalp burned to dark red, feeding to charcoal black. His head resting on its side, cracked. A body bag wrapped around his chest. From its shape, I could tell. His arms, his legs, now belonged to the wreckage. The casing zipped low enough to expose his graying chest hair. Without tears, without breaking down, in that room, it all pulsed through me. Swimming in a nearby pool as he dips below the surface, lifts me to his shoulders, tossing me up, splashing back down to the water. I swim back towards him and see his chest. He lifts me once more 
keeps me on his shoulders. I look below to the water, my ankles rubbing against him. Holding onto the steering wheel, he takes me for a ride. Sweltering heat and no air conditioning. We're shirtless. My back is against his itchy chest. He's letting me drive. I'm in his lap. We're on an empty road. He controls the foot pedals and hands me control at the slowest of speeds. Reflecting in the mirror, my body is changing overnight. He stands next to me. We're the same height. In bathrobes, our chests exposed. Shaving cream shared. My third attempt, his daily routine. The body bag was slowly sealed shut. The only emotion I expressed that morning was when they took him away. I pulled at my own chest hair until it tore. I left the hospital to flash bulbs and questions. Tufit rushed me to his car and we drove away. When I reached my mom, our relatives, friends, and neighbors were at her side. My family home quickly became the public's domain. By that afternoon, hundreds had gathered. The interviews began that evening. Two days later, I bid him farewell. To the chance of Martyrs Square. And to the tragedy of Lebanon.